Hey podcast fans, and welcome to the Clockwork Riot Lightcast. You may notice that I might mention videos quite a bit. I've relaunched the Clockwork Riot Lightcast as a video podcast, so if you want to see the full version of the podcast, be sure to check out youtube.com slash goclockworkriot. However, due to popular demand, I do still host the audio-only version, which you are listening to now. Now, because of this reboot, some episode numbers may be a bit out of line, but rest assured, you can still find all of the episodes right here. Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Right Lightcast Episode 3. It's a video format podcast about World of Warcraft gold making. I'm Fate. I write a blog called ClockworkRiot.com, which is all about WoW gold making, and I also make videos for this YouTube channel, which are guide videos, tutorials, stuff like that, as well as this lightcast. I hope everyone had a really good Christmas or whatever holiday you happen to celebrate or not celebrate. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into the podcast, shall we? For our first question, Lishan asks, I saw you have a rooster egg. I've recently bought a second spectral tiger, the non-epic one. What's something fun to save for, expensive and rare stuff that is, which you can show off to people? As far as things that you can buy, generally people go for mounts and pets. So there are some like cool looking gear and whatnot, but a lot of that tends to be stuff that you have to farm or things like challenge mode armor that you have to work for, while just flat out buying stuff, there's a few cool things that you can do. Mostly mounts. I've got, you know, I've got quite a few trading card game mounts, which I look out for on the auction house. Um, I'm up to 199 mounts, so I'm getting close, but not quite to 200 yet. Um, so mounts are generally the big thing, particularly trading card game mounts, since they the only way you can get them is buying them, or playing a card game, which I guess is still essentially buying them with real money. Um... So that's a pretty big status symbol. Pets, um, significantly less so now that there are so many pets in the game. Pets don't really stand out quite so much unless it's a freaking amazing pet. Like I tend to have my Tuskar kite out because it's a huge pet and it makes a little lightning storm that will zap your character sometimes. So um, and that's also a trading card game pet. And then uh, there are things on the black market auction house has opened up a lot of opportunities for buying vanity items. Um, it's a way to get a really nice set of tier 3 armor. If you can get all of it, particularly on a class that it wasn't meant for, like anyone, for for transmog, you can, there's no class tags on the armor. So paladins can wear the warrior tier and stuff like that. So if you have a warrior and you're wearing all paladin tier 3, you do kind of stand out to anyone who might notice that. So that's a pretty cool thing to do. And then certain raid mounts are now buyable on the Black Market Auction House. Things like Ashes of Alar, Mimiron's Head, which I'm still waiting for. I'm going to spend so much gold if that pops up on Argent Dawn. Um, just things like that. So generally speaking, trading card game items, uh, Black Market Auction House mounts, pets, stuff like that, and Tier 3 armor. And then there are a few other things, like uh, Tabard the Lightbringer shows off really well. That's from the Shadowmorn quest chain, but you can buy it from other players. Uh, just things like that are usually the vanity show off. Look at me, I'm awesome items. Mr. Edge Sued, sorry, I'm gonna butcher some names here today. Um, asked, do you think it's worth it worth the time to move things from faction to faction using the neutral auction house? Yes, I do it all the time. First off, in order to do this for it, because I noticed some people asked, how would you do that? So you you need somehow you need a second account to do this. It could be you with a second account, which is how I do it or a friend, guildy, trusted person to help you move stuff across. You can't buy your own auctions, but all you need is someone someone to help you out or your own second account, and you can go ahead and buy uh, neutral auction house auctions from yourself. 
Um, and so basically what you do is you, you buy things on the cheap faction to sell on the faction where they're more valuable. It's called arbitrage. Arbitrage. I, I always have to print out, I always have to say arbitrage all weird because I got corrected on my pronunciation a few podcasts ago and now I just feel like I have to say it that way. But anyways, basically it is the act of buying, uh, goods in one market to sell in a market where they're going to be more profitable. So for example, on my server, on Alliance, which is where I make my real gold, quote unquote, um, I have to pay four gold per piece for ghost iron ore. While on the Horde side, it is usually between two and three gold a piece per stack of ore. So basically I buy the ore on the Horde side, send it to the Alliance, sell that, you know, process it, sell it, stuff like that, so that my profit margins are higher, and then I can use some of that gold to then buy things which are cheaper on the Alliance, such as herbs, and uh, process those on Horde and sell glyphs on the Horde, so my uh, profit margins are higher there, and thus it ping-pongs back and forth and makes everything just way more profitable. It also isn't just about trade goods. There are some things like, for example, on my server, there's a lot more gold and a lot more mount collectors on the Alliance side. So if you have a really rare mount, you're probably going to have a better time selling it on the Alliance. So you'd probably want to move it over if you're a Horde player. So generally speaking, yes, I do think it's worth the time if you can find markets that really benefit from it. If you can find a lot of cheap materials for your professions, or if you're looking at flipping big ticket items onto the faction that they're going to be more valuable, stuff like that, I do think it's a really good way to get the most out of your gold, and it's something a lot of people don't do. So if you can really get the hang of it, you can make a lot of gold with it. I have made a few posts about this in the past, like blog posts, as well as a guide video about how to flip stuff via the neutral auction house. So I will put that in the video comments, uh, or in the comments on this video on YouTube. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in learning how to move things cross-faction. For our next question, Craig777 asks, how would I go about learning about the different markets? I'm new at this, and while I found some of the more obvious markets, I'm still rather lost when it comes to branching out. I hope this question isn't too broad. Don't worry, not really. Um, it, first and foremost, of course, you're going to want to look at what professions you have. I'm not sure how, what professions you have, but if you have a profession you're not using, you're going to want to look at that first, of course. So if you... If you've got a blacksmith but you're not using it, check out things the blacksmiths make. Most importantly, belt buckles and the 450 crafted gear. Essentially, if you're looking for a market that you think might be profitable, there's a lot of really great sites like the Undermine Journal and WoW Auction, both of which will be linked in the show comments, which can really give you a look at different markets. But at the end of the day, my personal opinion is just try stuff out. I make almost all of my gold with professions. I do some non-profession stuff like uh, flipping vendor recipes and pets. Um, I sell a little bit of transmog gear here and there. Um, but for the most part, I make all my gold with professions. So what you're going to want to do is figure... I'm pretty sure you know what professions you have. <laughs> so figure out what professions you have is what I was going to say. Um, and go to the Undermine Journal. Find the page for that profession. It's all up there on the top. And just check out what they've got for you. And then look at what's most profitable on your server and try it out. The single best thing that I've found in regards to finding new markets and learning new markets is experimentation. I mean, you could plan and plan and plan, but you're never really going to know the market and exactly how it feels for you until you actually do it. So if you're interested in something like, let's say, oh, I have never tried selling belt buckles. Sorry, I'm, I've been thinking about blacksmithing for a while, <laughs> but uh, I haven't really done belt buckles. Make a couple belt buckles. Make two or three, 
post them, see how long it takes to sell, see what your profit numbers are looking like, see what kind of competition comes out of the woodwork. And just, you know, start feeling all the, feeling out all the different markets that you could be in and find ones that you like a lot. For our next question, it's, <laughs> for our next question, it's, for our next question, it's, for our next question, Exotic60 Hunter asks, Hey Fade, I was wondering if you have any experience with making gold on really low pop servers. I have mining, engineering, herbalism, inscription, alchemy, and jewel crafting all at max, also enchanting and tailoring. But that tune is level 85, so I can't buy any patterns and stuff. Level. <laughs> but I can't seem to make any money. I sell maybe one glyph per day, and most gems don't go for more than 50 gold. Both the herbs and ore have tanked with bots lowering the prices to ridiculous levels. Please help. Um, let's see here. First and foremost, uh, tailoring. You can you can buy patterns at 85. You'd need the Spirits of Harmony, but if you can get the Spirits, which you can, um, you will be able to still buy the patterns. You don't need to be 90 to buy the basic like 450 patterns. You do need to do it for the daily patterns, though, which is, of course, your enchanting things as well as your spell threads and 476 epics for tailoring. But you can still buy quite a few patterns without being 90. That said, let me tell you about my low population experience. I was on Reddit once and some guys like, it's impossible to make gold on my low pop server. And we're talking about enchanting materials, I think. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think you're just not determined enough or something like that. And I'm like, would you mind sharing your faction and your server? And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally going to prove this guy wrong. Ha ha ha. I'm going to be so smart and look so awesome. And so he did share that. And I went to his server and... I was able to, I just used cross-faction pets. I caged like an Elementium Geode, got some starter gold with that, and I got these enchanting mats. And basically his his statement was that the enchanting mats don't sell on the server. And I'm like, Psh, everyone needs enchanting mats. I'm going to get so many sales. So on this server, the prices were actually very good. They were like eight gold per spirit dust, which was quite good at the time. And I'm like, huh. And and he wasn't saying he can't sell it high. He was just saying they don't sell at all. So I'm like, ha, huh, I'm going to sell them for half price so I can sell them fast. And he'll feel so dumb. So I'm like, okay, half price spirit dust. Half price spirit dust. I'd, I'd, I was in trade for like half an hour. Half price spirit dust. And I'd put it on the auction house if I had to log off because I didn't want to play on that server. It was crappy. There was like two people in Stormwind at any given time. Um... So I'd go back and I, I would post it for 24 hours and I'd go back every time. I'd, I'd repost it for like a week, advertised half price spirit dust, half price spirit dust, and no one bought it. Like, I could not believe how low the demand was on low pop servers. So it was really my first view of what people on truly low pop servers are really dealing with. You know, I always thought, yeah, maybe a little bit harder, but that means they don't have enough comp, you know, that means they don't have enough competition. We're fine. But, like, when I saw just how because it's not like it was a, a niche item. It was spirit dust. Everyone needs that for their enchants, and enchanters need that for stuff to sell and all that stuff. I could not believe how crappy gold making was on a low-pop server. So I must say, first off, I feel your pain of being on a low-pop server. I'm glad I'm not there. You should server transfer. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the only thing you can do, but hey, it wouldn't hurt. Anyways, um, basically... The best thing that you can do if you're on a low-pop server is just sell everything you possibly can because it, the sales are going to come so few and far between that you want to make sure you're 
getting whatever sales are out there to be had. So do everything you can with your professions. You've said the bots are lowering prices very, very low, which means you can get your mats cheap. So you, it sounds like you've already done glyphs. I know you're not getting many sales, but still, you know, try and keep that up. Sell everything you possibly can. You could sell bars, assuming that bots haven't killed that, because a lot of times you can sell bars for more than the materials cost. So there's your mining uh, trick there. Engineering, sell ghost iron dragonlings and tinker's kits. Uh, if you have the spirits of harmony for it, feel free to try out scopes. Um, so you can sell the Darkmoon Fair cards when that, well, not only when that's in town, but all the time. Maybe uh, low pop servers often tend to have a low rating quality, so people might be more likely to buy gear because they might not be able to raid for it. So you might be able to get an increased interest in Darkmoon Fair cards. Um, like I said, though, low pop servers tend to have lower raid progression, and so alchemy, since it's very largely about uh, gems through transmute, and uh, potions and flasks, so basically it's all about raid progression and gear, um, it's not really too great, but you you know, you know still want to be trying to sell your potions and your um, your potions and your flasks. And also sell things like potions of luck and stuff like that, because those are fun. I've been having so much fun with potion of luck recently. Um, jewel crafting, same as alchemy. Just sell everything you possibly can. Sell all the 450 gear. Um, sell everything you can so that when someone does happen to go to the auction house once in a blue moon to buy something, they're buying it from you. Our last set of questions comes from Spencer Balchinus. Um... I'll get to your first question third, since that's going to have a visual element there on the video. But, uh, so second question. How do you feel about newer gold makers dropping a gathering profession to take up another crafting profession, even though we are still trying to get a bankroll going? A lot of this kind of depends on what professions, what profession you have, what crafting profession you're dropping, and what crafting, or sorry, what gathering profession you're dropping, and what crafting profession you're going to pick up for it. Um, Basically, my thoughts is, generally speaking, yes, you'll probably make more gold. Because if you have, all it really takes is the ability to buy materials. If you have enough capital to invest in ore, or herbs, or whatever the material for your chosen professions would be, then you don't really need a gathering profession. Gathering professions are very nice when you're bored, or when prices do something really weird. Like if bots suddenly get banned and they go through the roof... Then you can, oh, until the bots come back, I'll, you know, supplement my stockpile by doing some farming. Or if weird stuff happens, like the whiptail spawn rates in Oldham being really high, it's nice to have your own herbalist to be able to run out and gather that stuff. But generally speaking, you're going to make more gold by having more crafting professions. But that only works if you have the gold to invest in the materials to use those crafting professions. As long as you have the gold necessary to fund your crafting professions, yes, I don't think that there's any need for a gathering profession. Caveat, I do recommend still having a miner. Being able to smelt your own ore, this is of course if you have a blacksmith for the most part, being able to smelt your own ore as a, for a blacksmith will allow you to always pay the lowest price. That way you don't have to buy bars all the time. You can buy ore if it's cheaper and smelt it yourself. Herbalism and skinning don't have that same value of being able to smelt herbs or whatever you might call it. And so, but if you did have a gathering profession, I'd say keep mining. But if you don't want a gathering profession, as long as you have the capital to invest, 
I think you should be fine. Honestly, even without a gathering profession, you can probably still do okay because you can do non-profession based things like flipping vendor recipes and pets, transmog selling, uh, flipping items in general on the auction house. There are ways to make gold without gathering, so if you suddenly find yourself in a hole in the gathering profession to gather your way out of it, it's not the end of the world. So honestly, when I go to a new server for just an experiment or whatever, I do tend to not pick up a gathering profession. It's it's worth it if you have the open slots, but if you don't already have every profession, you're almost always going to get a better profit by having a crafting profession to use in its place. For the third question, which is technically kind of the second question, I'm planning on power leveling alchemy to complement my jewel crafter enchanting. Would this be a good idea even though living steel is down the drain, like selling flasks or something? Uh, yes, it is. But, but not, I, I don't even worry about living steel very much anymore. I transmute a little bit of it each day to keep my belt buckles in stock. But other than that, actually all of my alchemists are back to doing, uh, essence of water to air to make heirloom enchants. Even if the current, ooh, this is what everyone's, uh, transmuting transmute isn't good, there are fallback transmutes like water to air and things like that, which will still be profitable. So it's not like that cooldown's gonna be wasted. And of course, remember, that's not everything they do. I think, especially since you're a jewel crafter, having a transmute alchemist will be amazing just to get the gems. You'll be able to get primal diamonds that way. And then on my server, with the uh, with all the changes they've done to Golden Lotus, it's actually sometimes more profitable for me to transmute my rare quality gems instead of prospect for them. And so having a transmute alchemist would open up a lot of different areas for your jewel crafter as well. I'm not sure what you would get instead of alchemy, so I can't really say that's the best choice, but it's not a bad choice. Spencer's third question, technically kind of his first, was, could you show us your blacksmithing TSM groups? Um, yes. Um, generally I don't share my actual groups as far as exporting them for you guys to import, but I don't see why showing you would hurt, or how I have them set up. But basically I just have blacksmithing set up in a category, and all of the actual settings for them are set up here. And then every single item has its own group in which only that item is present. And so then that allows them all to be set up via category level controls. If you're wondering how to set this up, it actually doesn't take nearly as much time as it looks. I didn't have to manually create all these. I'm going to link something in the comments, which is called something along the lines of how to set up TSM enchanting like a boss. It's from the consortium forums. They got, they are amazing tons of resources for gold makers and though the though the thread is about enchanting i did it with enchanting and i loved it so much you'll notice i did it with enchanting too um i did it i loved it so much that i actually did it with all of my professions it works really well and i highly recommend it so that's how i've got my blacksmithing as well as everything else set up for the most part um and the, it'll give you a whole walkthrough guide about how to set that up in the comments uh, in the thread that i link in the comments so that should help you guys out that's going to finish us up for this episode of the Clockwork Riot Lightcast. Thank you so much for hanging out, guys. Now, if you have any gold-making questions at all, feel free to put them in the comments to this video, and I will do my best to answer them on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for watching, guys. If you really liked it, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, that kind of stuff, and have a great day.